TNT Audio Publishing presents The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles by T.L. Dawnstar. Written and read by T.L. Dawnstar. Book 1.0 The Universe Code. Chapter 6. Felicity Explains It All Question. How do I know you didn't kill Starhole? Answer because I was there and I saw the whole thing go down. Felicity Phobos asked and answered herself as she drew Carl's attention to grainy hollow images of dank Starhole, a weird sort of reptile man, and an array of swirling objects that he couldn't identify. You see my editor, a low-down, no-good old media dinosaur by the name of Paul Plasmaheart. He bunked me down to chasing puff pieces after I made some people in the Galactic Safety Council a little unhappy when I broke the James Tizer sex fit story. Oh, wait. What? Interrupted Carl. There's no time to explain now, and if you interrupt me again, kids, you'll find yourself on the wrong end of a lunar seesaw right if you catch my meaning. You got that? Carl metaphorically raised his mind's hands to intercept the incoming meaning, but he fumbled it cack-handedly as he barely grasped the edges of the woman's bizarre lingo. He nodded in reproached silence. I was assigned to the worst beat any reporter worth their proverbial salt could hope for. Galactic myths, truth or fiction. Give me a break, I says to myself. Then I heard, doesn't matter where, don't ask me where, that your old pal Starhole was looking for the mother of all mythical MacGuffins. The universe cone. Carl's eyes widened and he leaned forward to say something, thought better of it, then slumped back down onto the rocky seat the hardness of the solid formation perfectly complementing the equally solid muscle of his powerful buttocks. See, that was kind of a big deal in the alien artifact plaque market. Word around the systems was he'd even managed to acquire whatever it was caused Yarex to take a nosedive off the planetary temperature high board and belly flop right into the freezing. I'd been tracking Starhole for months and come away with nothing more than rumours, whispers, half-truths, and a nasty case of Pergon flu. Then, one of my old NetHacker buddies pinged me a geodata hub code that placed Starhole on Spaceport 6. Enter. Carl Dark Cruiser. That would be you, Pickle. The holographically projected presentation switched via a simple yet elegant transition animation to an extremely unflattering hollow pick of Carl. In it, he was furiously enjoying an all-you-can-eat bucket at Uncle Dennis and Auntie Val's authentic Earth-style sausage palace and shoe repair emporium. While he'd long been a champion of the galaxy-wide chain, even going so far as to star in a promo holovid for the company's ill-fated vegan range, the image of his rugged, stubbled face slathered in Uncle Dennis's trademark spicy fish sauce was hardly the kind of brand identity he'd worked so hard over the cycles to cultivate. He winced as he realized that the image hadn't even been taken on one of the flagship branches on Spaceport 6 or 8, but the universally poorly regarded establishment on Hawks 14. Felicity noted his embarrassment with a moderate helping of smug satisfaction, and continued. Rightly or wrongly, you're known as a man who gets things done, and when I heard that your old friend, and one-time lover, was looking for help, I knew he was desperate, and men like Starhold don't get desperate unless something big is brewing. With a flawless wave of her large but elegantly feminine hand, she brought up a grainy hollow image and floor plan of Carl's favorite bar and diner on Spaceport 6. 9-4-BN's Human Sustenance Dispensary. So, I asked around the vid arcades, hollow bars, and sleazy noodle joints in the lower decks until I sniffed out your dive bar of choice and found a quiet spot in the corner. The woman in the slightly darker booth, 
That was you. You noticed, huh? Color me flattered. My original plan was to infiltrate the Zarkian hen party, but I didn't think my hollow mech had the graphics capacity to accurately render the sonic flaps. Hells, I should have known this moneymaker would stand out in a crowd, am I right? She left a slight pause. It was just long enough for the pirate to wonder if he was meant to answer, but not long enough for him to actually say anything. I sat there quietly, sucking on my spice cocktail until I saw those big Zarkian fellas bust in. I knew trouble was brewing and had a feeling you two idiots were going to get yourselves into a straight-up shooting gallery or cheese it. Can't say as I was keen on backing either of those lame lass horses, so I made my exit too sweet before the you-know-what hit the fan. She paused for a well-earned and long-overdue breath. The fast-talking, no-nonsense, take-no-prisoners reporter reached into one of her sensible but ostentatious gold sequin shoes and produced a skinny transparent synth-sig. She lit it up with a supple flick of her wrist and snap of her fingers, and the rising vapor quickly filled the cramped space, lending it the air of an old-timey Earth movie. Hey, you still with me, Dark Cruiser? She snapped at Carl, who had become distracted by the swirling patterns dancing majestically in the air around him and was in the process of reaching out to try and catch a wisp of purplish vapor. He spun his head back around to focus on Felicity, severely injuring his neck in the process. That's an affirmative from me, darling. He said, panicking about the rising pain in his neck and spine bones. Unacceptable, replied Phobos. Anyhow, I had a hunch you pair of crazy cats would somehow make it out of there with boots still on in your lungs where they ought to be, so I scoped out a lookout spot on the roof of Neil's Tuvillian rib shack across the concourse. It all happened so fast, but I saw you and Dank run into that alley and I saw something else, too. Carl sat up excitedly, felt a tremendous surge of white-hot pain ripple through his back and shoulders, then slowly eased himself down again. Deborah, he said grimly. Don't get ahead of yourself, kid. Man alive, but you're always so fast on the draw. I caught a glint out of the corner of my eye. There was something shiny on the roof of Uncle Dennis and Auntie Val's authentic Earth-style sausage palace and true repair emporium. Something metallic, but with the kind of figure that makes even a hot trot cutie like me stop and smell the roses if you catch my drift. The three-dimensional projection that filled the dusty air zoomed in through the frozen droplets of rain as the roof came into view. All Carl could make out was a blurry image of a gleaming silver body with long, powerful legs and perfect proportions, launching herself into a superhumanly fast sprint. Even though she appeared as little more than a silvery streak, Dark Cruiser could see that the journalist hadn't been kidding. The android in question was a stone-cold fox, if you're into that sort of thing. Footnote. Just to be absolutely clear, Carl definitely is. Some kind of... Dinoid? Whoa there, Grandad, that word hasn't been okay for at least 30 cycles and you know it. Exclaimed Phil as the projection shifted once more. Our gal was a speedy little number. This is the best pick I could grab of her. I heard a pop, then she was gone. Carl sat in stunned silence. If Felicity was telling the truth, and he had no reason to assume that she wasn't apart from all the time she'd already lied to him, this changed everything. His mind kicked into overthink as he began to slowly process the information that had just been imparted to him. Wait a minute, if you're a witness and you have all this evidence, what in your brigades are the cops? Carl screamed suddenly after about two full starmins of serious thinking, leaping to his feet and flapping his hands about like a nutter. They were gonna send me to the disintegration portal! You listen to me, friend. I'm no more popular with the sec boys on Spaceport 6 than I am here. They got a rap sheet on me as long as yours, and I'm not going to screw myself over some two-bit space jockey that I don't know a damn thing. What's your game here, Missy? Just looking for a good story, mister. You knew I'd end up here. You've been tracking me. How? A good reporter never reveals her sources. 
Carl's anger subsided as the neck pain he'd done so well to mask this whole time reached incredible new heights. But, very much like the self-writing symphony AI he'd once bought off the net, he composed himself. Something about Phobos's whole operation stank to high heavens, but he had to admit she'd done her homework. Alright, so if this killer was a gyno or me, sorry I mean synthetic person like you claim, that means we can rule out Deborah Dwarfstar as a suspect. Ah, damn it. Back to Cube 1. Not quite, my dear Dark Cruiser. You're going to need to sit down and pay attention to this next part. It's a real doozy. Carl did as he was told, and placed himself at Felicity's feet, as she once again waved her hand around, adjusting the holograms into a bizarre configuration of symbols, with the unmistakable shape of an inverted cone at its very center. She loaded the blurry image of Dank's android assassin and placed it next to the shape. Computer, enhance. She said authoritatively. Okay, I'll search the net for commuter at Dank. The electronic voice replied, then promptly displayed a vid of a hover train carriage full of the insectoid natives of Azix Prime performing their traditional mating dance in order to raise awareness of Galactic Fertility Day. Negative. Enhance image 34A. Okay, I'll search the Disable voice command. She sighed and moved her hands in a pinching motion in order to zoom in on the floating hollow of the android. After several attempts, the image size increased, and Carl could just make out the barrel of a modified Huntex Corp 454T sniper rifle slung across her shapely back. That's Deborah's weapon of choice, gritted Carl. Olive Cabinet herself told me that. And if there's one thing that woman knows, it's mid to long-range projectile weaponry. <sighs> and how is the esteemed matriarch these days? You know, Olive? Of course I do. What kind of reporter would I be if I didn't have at least a passing acquaintance with the head of an intergalactic organization of killers? And let me tell you, me and Ollie's acquaintance is far from passing, if you're buying what I'm selling, if you take my meaning. <sighs> Grumbled Carl. She zoomed in on the image even further to reveal a crucial detail etched into the barrel of the rifle. It bore the shape of an inverted cone. It matched perfectly, with the symbol hovering just to its right. This symbol appears throughout galactic and pre-galactic history. It is the sigil for the mysterious cabal, known variously as the Keepers, the ones who watch and wait, or the shadowy bastards. You probably know them best as the Cult of the Cone. I've flown this galaxy from one end to the other and back again with fuel in the tank to spare. I've navigated collapsing stars, colliding black holes. I've had dealings with every low-life, no-good being in every dive bar or medium-priced bakery in 12 systems. And I can honestly tell you, I haven't got a clue what you're on about. And that's just how the cult likes it. They've been operating in secret for centuries, manipulating planetary economies, staging coups, assassinations, political uprising, funding weapons and advanced cybernetics research, all of it to further their twisted goal of obtaining the universe cone. They believe it will give them command over reality itself. <laughs> Sounds like Bruxa shit to me. I know, right? Here's what I'm thinking. Our Bonzo cultists snapped up your old buddy Danky Boy on some backwater world, welcomed him into the group with open arms, gave him a mission to find the cone, and when he couldn't deliver the goods and was about to start running his mouth off to you, they hired the Zarkians to lure you out of the bar into the waiting scope of our robo-killer, and... She angled her hand in such a way as to resemble a pistol. Pop uttered a dejected Carl Darkcruiser. 
The low, dull rumble of the vast machinery at the heart of the asteroid rumbled dully, and Dark Cruiser could feel the subtle vibrations gently shaking the rocky ground of the mineshaft. He watched as a small sandy-colored pebble bounced along the dusty floor. He began to feel like that pebble, for he too was being shoved along unwittingly by vast unseen forces that he didn't understand. Okay, Francine, say I buy this crazy conspiracy theory of yours, and it's a big if. That still doesn't explain why this totally banging android would be using Deborah's weapon of choice and signature misspelt name on the bullet stick. Ugh, don't you get it yet, Dim Cruiser? That android is Deborah Dwarf Star. Carl blinked, a lot, as he tried his darndest to understand what he'd just been told. The Deborah he'd occasionally passed in the GGA canteen, but was too scared to talk to or look at properly, was as human as he was. Maybe even more so, considering his cybernetically enhanced pecs, toes, and penis. Felicity, sensing his confusion by looking at his narrowed eyes and slack jaw, sat down next to him on the hard cave floor. She reached into her satchel and pulled out a severely outdated discgram player. With a look that said, I'm getting pretty bored of spouting this semi-incomprehensible exposition, she loaded a scratched and dinted MOV disc into the player and activated the onboard projection module. A flickering image of a poorly rendered computer-generated spinning planet stumbled into life in the musky air in front of Carl, and with the determined point of Phobos's finger, his attention was drawn to the blocky planet. Would you just shut up and watch this? The glowing green orb exploded in a hail of low-resolution shards and reformed themselves into a spinning chrome cone. Biblical clouds zoomed overhead and shafts of heavenly light bounced off the shining surface of the cone. A gloved hand in a delicate white mitten cupped the bottom of the cone and lifted it high into the air. The camera spun around to reveal the hand's owner and an offensively bland face beamed out from under a deep white hood. Text materialized across the image in a gaudy, glittery effect. It read, Orientation, Part 467. The man spoke with a precision-engineered voice that was somewhere between the calming automated announcement of a severely disrupted hover train and the spacey drawl of a smacked-out dental patient. Congratulations, Acolyte. Dwarf Star. Your credit transfer has been approved, and you're ready to progress to the level of senior editor. This bit has been produced to help you understand and prepare for the transcending. By now, you should have thoroughly read through the information and activities pack provided to you by our friendly enforcers. Have your processing smocks securely fastened and be spiritually prepared to begin the next stage in your journey towards cosmic enlightenment. Once the process has begun, your consciousness will exit your disgusting organic body and you shall be reborn in one of our top-of-the-range android models. Your mind shall be clear of sinful bodily distractions, such as hunger, thirst, or dirty urges. You shall have no desires but for the holy quest for the cone. Legal notice. Please note, some personality traits may remain intact. The cult of the cone does not accept responsibility for existential terror, dysmorphia, murderous tendencies, maiming, or retained learning difficulties. Terms and conditions do not apply. Transcending is a registered trademark of the cult of the cone. Phil stopped the vid and looked at Carl. Basically, she's a robot now. Any questions? Yeah, a few. If this cult's as secretive as you say, how do you know so much about them and their weirdo rituals? He asked, totally reasonably. The reporter slowly stood up and turned her back to Carl. Because... She said, 
and lifted her long, glossy hair, which had long since broken the bounds of the bun in which it was previously bound, to reveal the tattoo on the back of her shapely neck. It was the shape of the inverted cone. I used to be one of them. So why should I trust a goddamn thing you say? Barked Carl, rising only very slightly. He'd learnt his lesson from his previous extreme physical reactions and was now very, very cautious of his neck injury. That's up to you, I'm afraid. I'm just a gal with my finger on the detonator of the biggest truth bomb in the universe. Take it or leave it. I've got my own beef with the cult and I aim to get to the bottom of this mess. Prove the cone is a myth and bust their corrupt operation wide open in print. She said explanatorily. But you, you've got that look in your eye. You've had the vision, ain't ya? Bizarre images from his hallucinogenic intergalactic merry-go-round ride flashed back into his mind in a kaleidoscope of sickeningly lurid colors, and he once again saw the fateful vision of a cone-wielding dank star hole. Phobos looked at Dark Cruiser and traced the small circles he was making with his pale eyes. Ooh, man, they got to you big time, huh? After they banged me off for killing Dank, he appeared to me in my cell. Find the killer. Find the cone. That's what he said to me. But there was something else, too. A rhyme, and not one of his galaxy-famous dirty limericks. No, it was something more... wizardy. Felicity stood up, straightened her back, and placed her palms on top of each other at chest height, and recited... When mortal hands caress the cone, mortal lips speak truth, and truth alone. She performed a small curtsy and sat back down. That's it? How did you know? Uttered an astonished Carl. I recited that every morning in the great conical spire in the cult homeworld for 16 years. It's an ancient authentic proverb, one of the eight key texts at the heart of their warped doctrine. She said explanatorily. It means no one can lie while holding the cone. If that's true, which just to be clear it definitely isn't because it's all a load of bollocks, it might be your ticket out of this murder mess. Carl hung his head in his hands. His neck was killing him, but he didn't mind. After all, what was the pain of a critically damaged spine when compared to the pain of losing a friend, brother in arms, and one-time lover? I... I didn't believe him. I should have listened. But after that night... Ugh. Carl mumbled into his little hands. Let me guess. Interjected a significantly more chipper Felicity Phobos. You came out of it with a feeling like you'd unraveled a truth you sort of already knew. Am I right? I usually am. He smirked as subtly as the political commentary in Gary Cosmos's fourth studio album, Galactic Carnage, which is to say not at all. So if those crazy cult bastards are as whacked out as you say, how the hells did you get out of there? That, Mr. Space Pirate Sir, is a story for another time. She clapped her big hands together, with the force of two human hands making forceful contact, and whipped her hair up into a haphazard, lopsided ponytail. Right, that's enough exposition. We need to get moving again before Willoughby and his flat-footed goons find us. So what now? We drop off this contract cart with my contact. He gives me the info we're looking for. We go toe-to-toe -to -toe with one of the most powerful secret societies in the galaxy, track down an android assassin, and acquire a mythical alien artifact. Except we won't because it doesn't exist. But first, I think a drink, don't you? She produced two bottles of Hypermart own brand non-alcoholic Nurgle juice from her copious pockets and waggled them around suggestively, eyebrows raising and lowering at a speed that no human should have any right to attempt, let alone achieve. You're on, Phyllis.
The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles is a production of Dawnstar Audio, written and read by T.L. Dawnstar. The voice of Carl Dark Cruiser is T.L. Dawnstar. The voice of the Cult of the Cone was Nick Harris, and Felicity Phobos was played by Theodora C. Sinclair. Get in touch via electronic mail using the address tldawnstar at gmail.com or via Twitter at tl underscore dawnstar. Next chapter, David Jackson.